Lead Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective, hosted by Tim Allman and Jack Kalliberg. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at uniteleadership.org. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. Tim Allman here with Jack Kalberg. We are talking today all about execution with excellence. Um, If you've not subscribed on YouTube, please do so and go to uniteleadership.org. Become a member today so we can keep the learning conversations growing in your respective context where you are multiplying missionaries uh, with the gospel. A lot of times, Jack, churches struggle because especially in this context, there is so much Mm -hmm. that you could and should be doing it. And I think when churches look one to another, and I think the comparison culture has killed the heart and soul of a lot of pastors and, and teams because you can look at, oh, they do this and they do this, you know, and and kind of shame, heavy kind of toxic shame can kind of set in to a, to a church's culture, this kind of victim mentality. And then maybe pride even comes on the other side of that. Like it right. was on the one hand, oh man, I wish we could do. And now, no, I'm pridefully against, we do things different here. And you may even make orthodox ineffective leadership. And yeah. we're, we're very, our brand is that we don't execute with excellence. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, <laughs> take that, take that, you will see or whoever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality is no church grows, um, goes on mission, starts a leadership development culture overnight. And I think that's one of the biggest issues is, is a lot of leaders just get overwhelmed. There are so many things that we need to do. And here's what we say, just do the right next thing. Mm-hmm. The one right next thing. And so um, we had a, a great privilege, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago, Jack, to instill the four disciplines of execution into our culture yeah. uh, at Christ Greenfield. And it has been a game changer. You have taught on it in many contexts. So give us uh, we're, and another shout out before we dig into this conversation. This is best done one-on-one or in a group setting. So if you need consultation around instilling the four disciplines of execution, please reach out to us at uniteleadership.org. So we're going to just stick to the high-level conversation today. Give us the elevator pitch about 4DX, minute or two. Go ahead, Jack. 4DX comes from a book. We heard about it initially from the Global Leadership Conference, and I heard it and said, yeah, yeah, we're doing this, right? Uh, <laughs> it was so, about seven, all, eight years ago. Yeah, it was. Right? It's been a yeah. while. Um, and since then, I, like you said, I've taught about it in multiple conferences. I've done one-on-one coaching on that. So we're going to hit it at a high level. If anybody wants to go deeper on it, please contact us and we can kind of maybe spend some time either on Zoom or go, depending on, we, we do coaching services. So it could be, we could go out for a half a day or a day sometimes yep. if you want some coaching on this and other topics, but this is one of the things that we definitely lean on very heavy because if you're not an institution that can execute well, you really, you know, the stuff that we may teach you is just going to frustrate you more than anything. We don't want to leave you with stuff that you can't actually do, right? And so, Tim, real quick, let's, um, you could say broadly speaking, 
organizations find themselves in one of three categories. One is that they've got incredible vision and strategies and they execute on them really well, right? Mm -hmm. Let's call that tier one. Tier two is they got really great ideas and strategies, but they're really poor at executing on them. They're frustrated. And then the third is they have no vision, no strategy. And of course, they're not executing on anything really well. What do you think most organizations, most churches find themselves in? Mm. Well, this is a general blanket statement. Right. As I look at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod landscape, um, I believe that we're, I'll go 15 and 70 and 15. Okay. I 15, think there's some, I think, yeah, I think there's some congregations where, yeah, it's, but it's kind of the flavor of the month. The pastor really wants to learn mm-hmm. and grow. He's got a team of people, you know, paid mm-hmm. and non-paid that he's doing it with. Um, he wants to cast vision and he does, but there's just not the the structure and the systems to execute. There, There's a shotgun approach yep. to trying to do the right next thing. There's not a system. So I think there's 70% and I think there's about 15% that, wow, we are growing. We're, but then I think there's a, a small minority too on the other end. That's just like, right. we're prideful in how we yeah. struggle at execution. And we're a confessional church, which means all we do here is Sunday morning, very, very traditional worship. And our membership is, um, is, is quite, quite old. We don't yep. cross generations. And here's one of the struggles for us in, in the ULC as we kind of speak into the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod struggle right now is that I believe the 15% on the lower end is growing as congregations are declining in a post-Christian culture. And the 15% at the top, that is becoming, that's shrinking as, yep. as well. So. so I would agree. I think the vast majority of them are in that middle category, which is they've got a lot of good ideas. Uh, they probably have a big list of things. If we could only do these things, things would be so much better here. But they really struggle to get traction on those things. Uh, And I think it's because they don't know how, they weren't taught how. This is what we get into leadership development stuff. Good leaders, one of the things that is qualifies a good leader is they know how to execute really well. So it's vision and execution, these two things combined, right? So let me ask this other question then. Of these three categories, where do you think you would expect to see organizations that are just, that people are very busy? Oh, in the middle, in the middle. In the middle. I would actually say if you went to all three organizations, you would find all three organizations are full of busy people. Oh, sure. Yeah. And what we're trying to get at now is to say busyness is not the same thing as effectiveness. Because you will find in unhealthy, stagnant organizations that there's a ton of very busy people. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you complete a task and get through your e- email inbox and stuff like that does not mean that you're executing on strategic goals that are moving your organization forward. So the first thing that hurt. we need that to do is we need to break these two things Jack, apart. Busyness. That just hurt. What's that? That just You just hurt a lot of people's feelings. <laughs> I know, but it's the truth, one right? Of the, Barometers. I want that clean inbox. I, I'm a tenacious person that just wants to get through that. And and I look back at my day and I'm like, huh, what exactly did I do today? <laughs> other than clean my Without, inbox out, right? Yeah, other than clean my inbox out. <laughs> did the organization reacting, move forward today? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Inbox is all reactivity to other people's yes. vision. 
Right. Yeah. So this is where we get into this idea of what is a goal and what is the whirlwind? And you've heard this, you've explained this to to people before. Um, How would you describe the whirlwind, Tim? It's all the stuff that you do reactively. In in ministry, there's a lot of things that you must be faithful to respond or react to. The death and the, um, the trauma of a of a situation of a marriage falling apart um yeah doing a fair amount of counseling trying to walk through the the feelings and the goofy dynamics of of leaders that are at odds with one another you're reacting to uh, a lot of that that's what yeah. i would title as the whirlwind and that's that's probably for even those of us that are trying to be healthy heart body mind spirit that honestly is about 80% of our time jack yeah well so the issue is in the um, the church, the organization that doesn't execute, it's actually 100% of their time. Yeah. That's where we get at. So it's legitimate work. It's ha- It has its importance. Um, care and responding yeah. to people is super important. But do you also work on goals? And so now how do we differentiate goal versus whirlwind? The whirlwind is the thing that acts on you and the goal is the thing that you act on. Yeah. Does that make sense? The goal is not going to do anything unless you carve out some of your day or some of your week and you just say, I'm going to do this thing even though these other things are trying to act on me right now. So that's where we say it's a discipline. So let's get into the Let me pause on the word discipline. It's a great word. Mm -hmm. Discipline has a lot of connection to a word that Jesus and I bet you use, (laughs) a disciple. Disciple. Disciples of Jesus are disciplined people connected to the way of Jesus and the will of God to love and care and serve. And our natural bent, let's look theology, our natural bent is man and woman curved in on oneself. My natural bent is a non-disciplined life toward the things of God to be a disciple of Jesus, but I'm disciplined toward self. And um, yeah, so discipline is not a bad word. It's deeply connected to what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. Go on, Jack. <laughs> so this leads us now into the first first discipline. Now we've explained goals versus whirlwind. So we're getting into our first, first discipline, first of four. Um, which is to focus on one wildly important goal, right? I can't do just one thing, Jack. I know, it's that tough. That is ridiculous. It is hard. It is really hard to focus on one thing and actually give it intense focus, right? So what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a winnable game for our team. How does how does the basketball team win? Score more points. Score more points, right? So we're trying to figure out what is something that we can do. And if we do this thing, we've won because it moves the organization forward. This is, this is we're getting into secular leadership stuff here, but churches do need to know how to do this. Um, so let's say we go, and we've done this before, Tim. We go to a retreat and we say, okay, let's come up with a wish list of things that we wish we could make better. And everybody has a chance to contribute. How many things would be on that list? Oh gosh, 10 to 20. 10 to 20. Yeah, I'm saying average 15 probably. There's not any way in the world that we're going to fix 15 things in the next quarter. Right. Right. So they, they do this great job in the book. They say, okay, if, uh, if a team is given one strategic objective, what can they achieve? If they're given one, what can they achieve? One thing. One. If they're given two, how many can they achieve? 
Maybe two? Maybe two. They'll get one or two done. If they get three, how many are they getting done? No, I don't. I think they'll probably not get any done well. Exactly. Zero to one. <laughs> so, and then you keep going beyond that. And then it's just, it's just zero. So um, I'll pick on my wife a little bit. She was telling me at her work that they had like, uh, at one point, we, we got 15 strategic objectives. And I said, well, you have zero objectives then <laughs> because you're not doing 15 objectives. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, you, you, would, you would wade into those waters. I don't know if I'd quite touch that. With, uh, a, a key quote though from Discipline One, uh, focus on one wildly important yeah. goal is this. Nothing is more counterintuitive to a leader than to say no to great ideas. Now, a lot of times we would say, no, I'm going to say no to good ideas in pursuit of great. No, no. they say to say no, no to great, great ideas. ideas. And then nothing is more destructive than saying yes to, to all of them. Yeah. So narrow in on that one important goal. There's more to be said yeah. on this, but let's move on to discipline two, Jack. Yeah, discipline two. So now we're saying discipline two is act on the lead measure. So, so now you, you got to differentiate say, a lead measure. That's not language I normally yeah. use. So define the difference between well, lead and lag measures. Well, Jack. and this is a big one too, because I don't think any church probably at all that I'm aware of intuitively measures lead measures, right? They, everything they do is lag measure. So worship, how many people right. came to worship Sunday? Lag measure. Right. Um, how many baptisms have we had in a year? Lag measure. Um, Let's see, another example. What was our giving over the last year? Lag measure, right? So these are all, they have to be measured. People lose sleep over these things, right? Pastors, why, do we, why is it called lag? Just, the reason it's called a lag yeah. is because by the time you measure it, all the work that has gone into it is done. I cannot do any work and change the, um, the attendance that we had on Easter. Easter's over already. I can't do any work now and change it. Right. So all the work that we could have done to impact invitations into Easter is in the six months leading up to Easter. So the work now, here we go. The work that we do to invite people to an event or invite people into worship or invite people into a baptism or in, into discipleship journey, whatever it is, all the work that you're doing, that now is your lead measure. I can do this work today and it will impact something that gets measured in the future, which is a lag when you measure it, right? So let's start to make a differentiation here. Um, if we say uh, the number of personal invitations that are made to church, right? Yeah. That's a lead, lead measure, measure, baby. right? Mm -hmm. If you yep. say phone calls that are made, you're doing a capital campaign and we need to make some personal visits, phone calls to make personal visits, that's a lead measure. Amount given to the campaign, that's a lag measure. So what uh, a church, an organization does that's great at execution is they put together a dashboard and they say, these are the lead measures. And when we talk, when we come together every week or every day or however often we need to meet on it, we're focusing primarily on the lead measures. Did you do what we all agreed is the things that need to be done in order for this objective to move from A to B? Right? right. And this is a good thing, too, is to say when we're setting a goal, I want to move from A to B in this time. I want to move from zero pledges to half a million in pledges in three months. That's how you set a concrete goal. Right. So right. how many conversations do I have to have with people? How many personal asks do I have to make 
in order for us to get those many pledges. And then that becomes the thing that you measure on a week-to-week basis. So what would you say to the person right now who's having an internal conflict? Maybe it's a, a pastor or a leader. We don't do we don't do secular work here. We don't read secular books. That we do we do spiritual work here. And when you're talking about this lead and lag and one blah 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 goal, this just sounds like the business secular world, and that's not who we are as a church. What yeah. would you say to that, Jack? I'd say, do you use a computer? Do you use a phone? Because those things are not spiritual, right? There's no computers and there's no phones in the Bible, right? So it's a tool, right. and depending on how you use that tool will, will determine whether it helps you as a spiritual leader or not. And yeah. this is what we're doing when we— Learn about 40X, which has absolutely nothing to do with the Bible at all, but helps to develop you to be a more effective leader so that you can be an effect an effective spiritual leader, right? That's what that's what we want, that's what we want you to do. So there are um, leadership skills that need to be developed in people that are practical. And you can learn these from pagans, right? right? As long as you're not using it for a pagan purpose, if it's effective in guiding people and executing, then there, you know, you don't have to be afraid of that thing. So the earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Mm-hmm. And people created in His image, even though they reject the image giver, right? Um, still have truth inerrant right. in what they bring, right. uh, Christian or or pagan. And that's yep. that's all this is. All right, we're going to move on. Yep. Number one is focus on the one wildly important goal. Uh, you can't do two or three. You're going to get diluted results and execute on all things poorly if you even execute at all. Second, we're going to work from lead, not lag measures, and now discipline too. Jack? Keep a compelling scoreboard, right? Mm. And so I'm not going to bring it up right now, but... Uh, we, we've all probably seen like maybe a warehouse or manufacturing plant and you walk in the door and on the door it says, it's been 378 days since we've had an injury on this in this facility, right? Could you imagine if a church did that? That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> Like no one's been no one's been injured here. Well, uh, that's our that's our da- anyway. Go so ahead. the question is: Is that a compelling score scorecard? Everybody oh. sees it every day when they walk in, right? And they know what they're focusing. Now, there's a lot of legitimate reasons why an organization like focuses it. on safety. What does it do? Right. Like, there's people concerns, but there's also business concerns to that. So they sure. will focus in on safety, even if it causes them to slow down a little bit, because in the long run it really helps the organization to do that. So they make this the compelling thing. I don't want to be the person that ruins that score, right? right. So I'm going so, to do my lead measures. I'm going to put on my safety equipment. I'm going to, you know, follow my checklist and all that kind of stuff to be safe because I don't want to be the one that causes that score bar uh, to fail. So the same thing can happen with us. We can put together a compelling scorecard, uh, score whether it's, you know, inviting people to worship or inviting people to give or, you know, whatever their next is. Uh, for discipleship journey, what is the work that we do? And do we actually have a scorecard that holds people accountable to the work that they were going to do to get people moving forward? So can you put together a compelling um, lead measure scorecard for people? And then also yeah. ties to the lag measure. So you can see these two things are tied together, right? Totally. So a scoreboard or a scorecard um, is synonymous with maybe a dashboard? A dashboard, Yep. 
uh, give us some examples. Sometimes, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard because there's not a place on our campus that would be super easy to put a scorecard, right? Because we're so flexible with our space here. But um, the ideal thing is something that's always visible for people. Um, if you can't have it physically visible, then certainly easily accessed digitally, incorporated into your meeting so people have to see it, right? That That's yeah. what you so want to do. This leads us to uh, point number four. So first discipline, do one thing, work from lead measures, have a scoreboard, scorecard, dashboard of some sort. And then all of this is really a moot point if you don't execute on discipline four. Go ahead, Jack. Discipline four is the uh, create a cadence of accountability, right? And there's a lot of research behind this, but the question is how often do you have to meet about this strategic priority uh, in order for you to get momentum on it. So in the church, Tim, what do you think is sort of the default meeting rhythm? If, if let's say you put together a committee and they've got a strategic project, how often, what is the default for them to meet? Monthly. Monthly. You cannot make progress on a strategic goal when you meet monthly on it, Agreed. right? Um, depending on what it is, I mean, Yes and no, but if if it's a really truly a team effort that is required, that team has to come together every week, or yeah. they're not going to they're not going to function as a team. They're not going to communicate. They're not going to have visible the accountability that needs to be done on the lead measures. They're not going to see the progress on the lag measures. It's just not going to so happen. If you're, yeah, if you're a small church uh, pastor and you work with a lot of volunteer non paid serve team members and leaders, maybe even you would, we would title them maybe directors in our mm -hmm. ministry, right? Um, a number of your excuses are going to be, but they have day jobs, they get paid. If they're on a team and they care about the mission, they will carve out once a week, 30 minutes to an hour yep. to update the team on their progress toward lead measures. Don't, yes. don't, I think a lot of times we just, well, it may require you to meet at night or early in the morning, but they're mm -hmm. on this team and the risk of disconnection, relational disconnection by only meeting a month. And then who really makes a decision pastor, take the lead and build a team and start to build out those lead measures, accountability around who's going to do what by what time, and then lovingly hold one another accountable with a weekly weekly rhythm. Do not be afraid to set a weekly rhythm with yeah. non-paid leaders. Any addition to that, Jack? No, that's exactly right. And that's probably one of the key bits of advice that we give to smaller churches that we'll consult with is say, you need to put together a staff. You don't have to pay them, right? But you have to put together a leadership team. And the thing that's going to make them different than this board that's out there or this council is that they're working week to week. They've got a weekly commitment that they're making with you. And they're actually making things happen day to day based on your rhythm of meeting week to week with them. And they absolutely can be volunteered if, if they're if they're passionate enough, they can be unpaid um, to get the, the work done. We got a lot, we got a ton of people that are unpaid that we would consider staff in the in the work that we do, right? Let's go, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Churches that are slightly larger with a paid staff, and all of the directors are then working with maybe non-paid their, mm -hmm. their teams, right? Yep. So we have wigs and then we have different team wigs yep. that support 
maybe a larger wig. Talk yeah. to that a bit, bit. Yeah, this is getting a little bit more advanced, but this is uh, like they give the, uh, I believe in the book, the example of the moonshot landing. Well, what does it take to get to the moon? Well, we need navigation. We need life support. We need propulsion. It's easy to get somebody to the moon. It's harder to get them there and back alive. Back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right? That's right. <laughs> if, if you have to keep them alive and then get them back, that's what makes it a lot harder. So you can imagine, okay, so now what is the lead to being able to shoot somebody to the moon? We have to nail propulsion. We have to nail navigation. We have to nail life support. Those can be teams that own ways. just yeah. that piece. They got to figure out how to work together, but they can be problems, they can focus on that one problem and have a team that's focused specifically on the engineering and the problem solving that goes towards that one thing. So good stuff. Um, I was with uh, some Chinese Lutheran uh, leaders recently, and I shared with them the church engagement model. And these are all American American church leaders, um, and they're reaching first, second, and third generation Chinese uh, folks, and and beyond. A lot of them are are reaching a lot of different uh, cultural groups as well. But I shared with them the church engagement model, which is attract, get, retain, disciple, multiply. Um, and if you want training on this, we talk about this all the time. So each one of these yeah. could have different teams. Team that have their own respective write one next thing, their yep. own wig, right, yep. Jack? Yeah, and then you can come together and as a staff and make sure it's all kind of working the flow together, you know? So right. if you can field that many teams, then by all means do that. If not, you may have to make a choice as a team to say we're going to focus on this one because this one part of the of the model is the biggest area that we can move the organization forward. And here's the yeah. key thing is once you've nailed that wig, it becomes part of your norm, and now it's part of the whirlwind. It's not it's not a wig anymore. It's your whirlwind. It's part of the maintenance of what you do to maintain that gain that you got from from that season of making it a wig. So a lot of people have fear, like, oh, because you're focusing on this, you're going to neglect that. We're not saying neglect anything. We're saying if one thing gets better and everything stays the same, what's the one thing that you're going to focus on to get better? That's right. So church leader, wig it. Wig it good. Remember that song, Jack? <laughs> whip it, whip it good. Anyway, you got to wig it up. And if we can help you wig it up, just let us know. Uh, the ULC is here for you, uniteleadership.org. If we can care for you again, subscribe on YouTube. And it is an honor to partner with you. Small churches, larger churches, everywhere in between, so that we would move from that kind of mushy middle where we got shotgun approach, so that the growth would come on the upper end. We, uh, the 15% would grow to 50% in the next decade or so of churches to say, this is who we are, this is where we're going, and this is how we get up, this is how we're going to get there. So thank you so much, Jack, for your expertise. So much fun. Take care, God and bless. Uh, looking forward to our next lead time episode. We'll see you next week. Peace. You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC consults and brings together cohorts of congregations to build the culture, systems, and structures of intentional discipleship multiplication. To go deeper with us, create a free login on uniteleadership.org for access to exclusive materials and resources. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.